Good evening, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48, and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. It is 1st of January, 2023. Blessed New Year's. I really wanted to get this podcast episode out before the new year, but I've been sick the last six to eight days, and I'm just now starting to have a voice. So recording was really impossible. So now I want to introduce to you episode 10, titled Betrayed with a Kiss. There's only one more episode to go, and the miniseries, The Crimson Ring, will come to a conclusion. So once again, I invite you to use that imagination of yours. Close your eyes, unless you're driving. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. Your name is Christina. You were a young girl then, hundreds of years ago, holding a small infant hidden away from a bloodthirsty, lustful mob, hungering for blood like an army of wanton vampires. All the royal household's heads have been removed and are rolling on the floor, still seemingly screaming. You then flash to being on a boat looking up and seeing the castle burn like a red-hot scorched sun. You hold the child close and in a strange way feel he is more comforting you than you are him, as he has no tears and you are shaken to the core in terror. You then find yourself in another castle. The army is made of a mob and they behead more nobles. This is a different kingdom although the king and queen are like second parents to you, and by the time the rescuers come, blood covers the land as far as the eye can see. So much death. You wake up screaming, seeing the queen's blood-filled head rolling towards you. Christina shook in her covers. Her horse, Alba, meaning white, was the horse she was raised with since as a child. That horse was by her side, nuzzling her back into reality. It wasn't hundreds of years ago. It was December 22nd. Christmas had just happened. Christina felt like the walls were caving around her. She mounted her horse and left the barn and headed out for her secret cabin in the wilderness. This was a cabin her real mom had shown her a long, long time ago. The ride was long. But when she arrived, just looking at the cabin, she felt safe again. She had previously stocked it with supplies for the winter so she could stay here. But her job as a stable hand, she didn't want to lose that. So she would need to return back to the village. She was capable of a higher wage job, but her night terrors and feeling of being tomb enclosed made it impossible so she had to make do with what she had. Grace asked Dr. Lin again. He found himself saying yes to her and God's request and met with the first woman who had been sexually abused for most of her life. At first, sharing her story with a man seemed a daunting task for the woman, but it would have been if he was a man or a woman as well because her abusers were male and female. Grace prayed for both of them and left the room.
The woman began sharing her story, how everyone she trusted since a child just used her and the word love, which was a code for doing horrible things to her body. She shared at first without emotion, but over time the emotions began to flood over her, and by the time she got to age six, Dr. Lin didn't think he would be able to take any more. It's not like he hadn't heard trauma stories before, but these women, it seemed, knew nothing but trauma, and every word of care and affection meant abuse. Dr. Lin prayed, and the Holy Spirit filled him with the strength to continue the journey with her. It was a seven-hour session. She then, after letting out her emotions, gave them to Jesus and forgave her abusers and prayed a blessing over them. She was glowing. She looked at Dr. Lin. I'm ready to leave. I will be strong and courageous and not fear them. Whether I live or die, it is for Christ, she said. Dr. Lin didn't usually hug those he did trauma counseling with. And before this, she would not allow anyone to touch her, but now asked for a hug. And for the first time, she could feel compassion and love without the trauma attached. Dr. Lin left the session exhausted, although the woman could not tell. Grace approached Dr. Lin. Well done. She is ready. I don't know if I can go through this again. I have not ever been so impacted by another person's trauma, said Dr. Lin. Grace took the doctor's hands, lifted them up to the Lord, and said, I give you her trauma. That's not mine, nor was it ever intended to be carried by me. I give it to you, and I, you take it on the cross. I surrender it to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Dr. Lin felt like he was glowing, and he was. The glory of the Lord was shining upon him. Dr. Lin didn't sleep until 12 women were healed, and then two by two, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in Christ's authority, they went out on their rescue missions. Grace had arrived. Grace had arranged icebreaker boats to take the women to the coast. From there, believers were waiting to bring them to Nunnock um, Airport in Greenland. John Elton's world banking system didn't go into effect until 1 January 2023, East Coast time. One of the women turned out to be a skilled craftsman, and she made fake rings that looked like the same as the original. The women loaded on the Cessna Citation XLS jet. They would disembark from all over the world to save the remnant. Grace would see through her ice wall where all the believers were. When the women landed, they took float planes landing on various lakes throughout Europe. Christina was hesitant to leave her secret place, but needed to return to work, and her gallant horse was at the ready. When she arrived, it was afternoon. People she'd known all her life were busy with their daily activities. While some of the country had modernized, her little village hadn't. It was that way in rural Romania. The town of Visca would always be her home. It was known for being the place time forgot with its dirt streets and workhorses and houses called Kaspanekiska, and there was also a beautiful church called the Fortified Church of Romania. Christina was busy preparing her dinner over the fire, making a Mickey Romanian meatballs and Corbai 
Rodentia, her favorite soup. She had set a place for herself and was getting ready to eat. She was famished from the long ride. She was already had fed her horse, and now it was her turn. She heard a knock at the door. Perhaps she would not be eating alone, for as long as it wasn't dark out, she would welcome a visitor. She loved the people in her village. As she opened the door, she at first didn't know what to say. She just stared at him. There was the infant she had rescued hundreds of years ago. Are you going to let me just stand here or invite me in? John Elton said coyly. Come in, said Christina. She pointed to a chair at the table and began serving John dinner. It's been a long time, she said. I do owe you my life, Christina, said John. Christina was direct and to the point. Why, John, after all these years, you have not come to visit me before. I didn't even know if you were alive. Time has a way of getting away from us, but I'm here now, said John. And to answer your question, I have a proposal to make to you. What kind of proposal, asked Christina. Christina, I would be honored if you'd be my bride, John said, as he got down on one knee, offering her a crimson-colored ring. Christina smiled. There's got to be some law against marrying an infant. And she laughed for the first time in years. Yes, we ate slowly, but it's just a matter of time until I asked you for your hand, said John. Christina, I can take you away from all of this. I am now the world's leader, and I want you to rule beside me as my princess, or depending on your age thing, my queen. We can have it both, said John. Christina was even more direct. Come back tomorrow at noon, and I will have your answer. John is not accustomed to waiting for anything. He was a bit taken back, but he reluctantly honored her wishes. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon. John paused before he left. At least take the ring, which Christina willingly did, and kissed him. That night there were no more nightmares. She was in John's arms. It was like he was romancing her as she slept, which he was. Never had she felt such passion burn like this before. She said yes to him in her sleep in many ways. She awoke with a sound of screaming, not from her nightmare, but from outside her front door. She dressed quickly and her horse found her. She mounted her steed and headed toward the sound of the screaming. She would not have ventured out at night before, but she had a newfound courage in her bones that the cries for help were stronger driving force than her fears. She saw the villagers, people she grew up with, kind-hearted, hard-working, form a mob, and had surrounded the town church. For those inside were having a New Year's Eve service, and they trapped them inside. Burn it down, shouted the voices, and she watched in horror as the mob burnt down the church and burnt alive all that were in it. Men, women, children set a fire in blaze, screaming in the night. Her horse pulled her away into a thicket so she wouldn't be seen. What could possibly cause my friends to be murderers? And then she saw the glimmering red on their hands. It's the crimson ring. It's like the one John proposed to me with. There was nothing she could do to save the villagers. 
and for the third time in her life, she watched helplessly as the mob destroyed those she loved. Her horse brought her back to the house. She looked at the ring. If I put this on, I too will become a monster like them. She was still mesmerized by the ring, but by the, some strength that she didn't seem to be coming out of her, she tossed the ring in the fire and there was an explosion. She saw this hideous creature come out of the ring and looked as it was coming to destroy her. She awoke, finding herself hundreds of yards from her home, and her horse was nudging her. She walked back into her home, all ashes, everything gone. She mounted her horse and headed to the direction of the church, all ashes. She sat in the middle of what was the church and covered herself with the ashes. What have I done? She cried out to heaven. What have I done? And as she put her hands in the earth of the church into those ashes, she felt the bones, little bones of children, skulls of men and women. She screamed. Her horse proved to be much wiser and nudged her again, which knocked her out of her hypnotic state. She got on and rode the horse to her secret place. I can't marry this monster, Abba. And the horse acknowledged her conviction. When she arrived at her cabin, she was exhausted. She fell asleep with the question, what do I do now, circling in her mind. She heard it in her sleep. Home is not a place. It's a person. And she awoke. What strange events were now unfolding, she thought. Christina was very surprised to find visitors knocking at her door of her secret place. John Elton rang in New Year 2023 with One World Banking System. He owned it all. He had been the god of this world, not acknowledged by men as such, but now he was their king, their god, their ruler. John just sat there drinking his bitter coffee. Soon he'd have Christina as his queen. They would have children and be the world's god monarch. What John wasn't expecting was to see the demon who showed up, who was housed in Christina's ring. Once he made eye contact with the demon, he threw the bitter coffee against the wall. What are you doing here? said John. The demon was trembling. She saw the mob, the ring, she knew, threw it into the fire. Is she dead? asked John. I think so. She wasn't moving when the ring exploded. She said yes to your proposal in a dream, though. Yeah, that's got to count for something, the demon said. John was enraged. He grabbed the demon by the scruff of the neck with the intentions of squeezing the life out of it. Give me one reason to not send you to the lowest ranks of hell. The demon whispered in its master's ear. John slyly smiled. Very well. Then you shall live. Take your post. You will not be demoted. I will call you shortly. John knew in his blackened heart Christina was alive, and he would move hell to find her. Megan and the other woman introduced themselves to Christina. You have been chosen by God to come with us. What God, said Christina, and what proof do you have that God sent you? For I have grown up with so-called gods and goddesses, and I'm quite weary of them. Christina 
You had a dream. Home is not a place, it's a person. And we're going to bring you to that person. Where have you come from, asked Christina. Greenland. How'd you get all the way here? We flew by plane, then float plane, then wagon, and then by horse, said Megan. Christina said, Romania's always been my home. You as well as anyone, Christina, know how time can change that. But this home we're talking about will be your eternal home, said Meg. Well, there must be some gods about that I don't know of where this place is. John Elton now knows, says Megan, and he will search for you here. I have you to take the ring by, he'll have you take the ring by force and be his bride. And if you, if you succeeds, your eyes will burn like red hot scorched sun and you'll be like the mob that has haunted your nights. Very well, I will go. How do we get to this place called Greenland? It sounds very far off. It's completely around the world, said Meg. Meg and another woman and Christina rode horses to the Vendru Dam Lake. It broke Christina's heart to say goodbye to her horse and best friend Alba. The horse cried tears as well for both of them, but left and returned to the secret place. The float plane was owned by believers who knew they were coming, so everything was ready. They could no longer take commercial aircrafts like they had did to their original trip to Spain. They would have to fly a thousand miles to the next country, land on each lake by float plane, where more believers waited to gas their planes with the spare supplies. They did all of this all the way to Spain, landing in Lake Sabrina, the largest land on the Iberian Peninsula. They flew to the coast of the Atlantic, bouncing off a few more lakes, and finally to the hangar where the Cessna Citation XLS awaited them. Grace knew a lot of people with a lot of resources that they needed, so when they left the remote island, they were able to fly directly to Greenland. When the weary travelers arrived in Nukuk Airport, Greenland, they were exhausted. They used the fake rings to disembark, and a Land Rover picked them up, took them to the icebreaker for the final leg of their journey. By now, as many as 12 women had returned from different parts of the world and were brought, that brought forth the remnant. Dr. Lin has been counseling nonstop. More and more of these women were free and rescuing those they were sent out to, to pick up. From all over the world they arrived, believers brought to the sanctuary of Grace's Greenland estate. Dr. Lynn met with Christina, and when, when all was said and done, the mob's rule over her nights was over. She was free and surrendered her life to Christ and was filled with the Holy Spirit. She even forgave the mob and John Elton. Christina then called upon to meet with Grace. Christina could hardly believe her eyes, and Grace could not contain her tears. Mom, said Christina, Grace, my daughter. And as she kissed her mom tenderly, John Elton looked at the screen. Got her, he said. As John now knew how to find Grace, his soon-to-be bride, and the rest of those accursed Christ followers. It occurred to me when I was writing this episode that betrayal can be conscious or unconscious. 
In the Garden of Eden, the serpent convinced Eve and Adam to eat of the fruit, not to disobey God, but because he convinced them God was not to be trusted. Judas betrayed Christ with a kiss. Once again, sincerely he had his motives. The betrayal hurts the most from those you love. Although Christina would not consciously betray her mom and all her brothers and sisters in Christ, she betrayed them nonetheless. You see, it isn't the sins that are so blatant in your face that trip you up. It's more the subtle, subtle whispers of darkness that we listen to. Jesus, however, does not play this game, as Lucifer does. No, instead, he gives us a choice, and it's clear. Accept the gift of salvation, or don't. You have a free will to choose. I can't force you. God's not going to force you to give your life to Christ. God isn't like Lucifer that way. He is not interested in taking his bride by force. He offers the gift, and you decide if you want to take it. The gospel's not confusing, and if it ever becomes confusing, then you're listening to the author of confusion, who is the father of lies. Join me for the final episode of a 11-part miniseries as it comes to a dramatic conclusion with the next episode titled, Time's Up. Blessed Happy New Year, you guys. And I'm looking forward to um, sharing with you the conclusion of this podcast.